0: Hello, this is Samuel Hansen and you're listening to Combinations and Permutations, Episode 6. week's episode we spend all of our time in thought experiment world where we talk about infinite monkeys what is art nuclear power and an island for all those philosophy majors here it goes hello and welcome to combinations and permutations the elite math podcast from UNLV with me today, I have uh, two returning guests. No new guests. I believe this is the first episode that we're uh, going to release that doesn't have any new guests. But that's that's fine because we have the true all stars of combinations and permutations with us today. And starting at point guard, we have Christopher Bates. Hello. And then, uh, even though there's uh, well, so far only me and Chris that you know, uh, and. I'm going to be playing all four of the other positions because Nathan Rowe is going to be starting on the bench. Oh.
1: He's on the let bench. It, yeah, let it,
0: let it be known that he is sitting on the bench <laughs> well away from a microphone. Oh. And he's really moaning that loudly. I mean, he's a good 10 feet away. Tears are streaming down his face. But it's okay. We're going to let him in now. And introduce him instead as the uh, the first substitute.
2: Uh, for the record, before we even start, I'm going to apologize for being a little held. Like I'll be held back when I'm speaking because I have given up swearing for Lent. So, in every single sentence I'm about to say, because
0: he's a Christian apologist,
2: I am. <laughs> in every single sentence I'm about to say, I have to hold back some swear words. So gonna I'm gonna really...
0: fucking just run this shit right. Out of my ass like a son of a bitch this entire podcast just to make up for that. Well,
2: I'm I'm almost guaranteed to screw up and swear at least once. I, I, and
0: I'm... it's going to go down in history <laughs> because we're recording it. And so God is going to know that you screwed up because yeah. he surfs the inner tubes and uh, inner tubes. I didn't even say inter that time. It surfs the, it surfs <laughs> on an inner tube down the series of tubes, Have you ever... straight to combinations and permutations dot and listens just to our <laughs> podcast.
1: I'm not sure if I'm going to be on topic this uh, episode because I gave up math for Lent, so uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be any help today. <laughs> are that or I'm going to hell? Okay, okay. so yeah. let's All let's right. let's
0: we're we're going a little bit off the cuff here. Uh, speaking of cuffs mine are rolled up. Um, So, the topic today, absolutely nothing. Okay. Uh, The the topic that we're going to discuss today has to do with an infinite amount of monkeys, and that makes it the... Infinite
2: Monkey Theorem.
0: So, Nathan Rowe, will you please introduce to our listeners the infinite monkey theorem?
2: Say you have infinitely many monkeys and (laughs) infinitely (laughs) many typewriters click 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 <laughs> and then in any like in in a preset amount of time these monkeys are guaranteed to write or in an infinite amount
0: of infinite amount of time
2: i think you're actually supposed to say one monkey with an infinite say amount it's of time. a
0: monkey with an infinite amount okay of time. or yeah. you could
2: have infinitely many monkeys with an infinite <laughs> amount of time and some infinite amount of typewriters it doesn't really make a difference anyway <laughs> these monkeys will write Shakespeare is often To is be often or famous. not to be. Yeah. Um and uh they will they will write everything else as well. So it kind of it kind of invalidates every single great work of all time because the monkeys will make make it just by random chance.
0: But but see I mean there's to me there's a gigantic issue uh with this general idea. It, it's true. A monkey sitting at a typewriter for an infinite amount of time will inevitably create everything. Everything that everything that can ever be written will be created by this monkey. But honestly, have you ever seen a monkey? They are very ADD. There's no way you're going to get a monkey to sit down for an infinite amount of time at a typewriter. He's going to get up, he's going to want a fucking banana. An infinite amount of a monkey tied down with an infinite amount of time and an infinite number of Then he's just going to choke himself.
2: An infinite number of bananas, so he has infinite happiness. (laughs) (laughs) Because the
0: monkeys, the monkeys literally, their happiness they give as the number of bananas. you You ask one monkey, he's like, man, I'm so three bananas today. Another monkey's like, I'm 99 bananas.
1: 99 L bananas.
0: And then it actually turns out that he just did a few
1: shots of 99 bananas He can make a keyboard out of itty bitty little bananas One banana Then he's gonna eat button. it And then every time he picks a banana off the keyboard That's the button he types So they're like little oh, banana oh, bites Oh yeah,
2: we'll, we'll invent specialized keyboards That are actually shaped like banana trees um, And when the monkey pulls a banana off the tree It hits that key He's gonna like
1: get pretty full though. Uh, yeah,
0: well, okay. he's got an
2: Infinite amount of time he can digest. And... <laughs> uh,
0: okay, um, the as as the Wikipedia entry uh, really wishes to state here, in this context, almost surely is a mathematical term with a precise meaning, and the monkey is not an actual monkey; rather, it is a metaphor. For an abstract device that produces random secrets of letters ad infinitum, Really? Like, did people not understand that this monkey is a fucking thought experiment? Like, man, I'm really going to get this monkey? I'm going to sit this monkey down at this keyboard. Monkeys die! <laughs> like, the, the, I mean, as soon as you hit infinite amount of time, obviously... Your monkey is dead. Yeah. In fact, it might
2: have even been put to death for ripping a face off.
0: Do we really have to go there? I figured why not. I, I was that even a monkey? I think it was a chimp. Aren't
1: chimps monkeys? No, they're, they're no. Actually not monkeys. chimps
0: are great oh. apes. I
1: don't know how great that they, is <laughs> they don't
0: they don't they don't have tails. Great apes do not have tails. Yeah. Monkeys have tails. Monkeys
1: do have tails. So people are monkeys or are just descended from monkeys, so we have a tailbone. Uh no, great apes oh, have great a tailbone apes, as yeah. well. So they're, they're, closer, they're closer, genetically closer.
0: Genetically this. closer because they, uh, it, through evolution, they got rid of the tail when they no longer needed it.
2: Right. So our our closest common relative is tailless, I, I think, I would imagine.
0: Or, you know, it's your parents.
2: <laughs> Thanks.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. So the, apparently people have been talking about this idea for a really, really long time. As a matter of fact, the history of uh, statements like this, I mean very I mean, there's variants multiple, infinitely many typists. target text varies between a library and just a single sentence, but they can be traced all the way back to Aristotle and Cicero. Damn. Yeah. So, so well,
2: what did Aristotle hat use as his metaphor? I don't,
0: know. I, I don't actually know hammer and chisel or something infinite, yeah given given an infinite amount of granite <laughs> and a monkey with a hammer
2: well i mean you gotta he probably wouldn't have done monkeys i don't even know if no he, he had monkeys in greece so he probably would have yeah said...
0: they they did dude they they traveled really far the greek the greeks traveled all, i mean think about alexander the great
2: yeah alexander the great definitely conquered some of africa and,
0: and well asia there's monkeys in Asia. Some of Asia. Elephants would have been more and, fun, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> you had an elephant with a chisel. Well, it, um, obvi- obviously you, you can't time. you can't use chisel because it has to be it has to be something that can be chosen at random.
2: Okay.
0: It can't be it, mm-hmm. it can't be something that actually you have to create because I mean with a chisel uh, you, you actually have to make a shape and that shape has to be in your head so you can't just expect a animal you know for i mean at least that's the metaphor we're going with could have been uh with an infinite amount of tiles with the letters on them in a bag being chosen out by a monkey
1: oh uh, okay so 26 faceted polyhedron a regular polyhedron although i don't know if it exists was the exist,
0: greek but... alphabet 26 lettered
1: oh shoot i forget uh, alphabet no it's, it's, it's and, uh, like
2: seven or 18 letters or something like it's it's a couple short i don't remember which ones they're lacking uh i don't know is it
1: case sensitive oh that's a good question that's a good question is it case sensitive how can a monkey hit the shift key and well it would have to hit two keys at the same time unless the caps lock was down um oh that you hmm. i guess we'd have to make it not case sensitive
2: we'll just remove shifts
0: there's 24 Twenty-four Twenty four. alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, iota, kappa, lambda, mu, nu, z, omicron, pi, rho, sigma, tau, upsilon, phi, chi, c, omega. Those all sounded legit, uh,
2: except for z. I didn't know that z was a uh... Uh,
0: z is xi
1: and pi is pi is a number. Oh, that's so pronounced that's pronounced c. You
2: put like a c.
0: Oh, it, it on is... the on the dot edu link that I'm currently looking at, the uh, pronunciation underneath it is z i e. Would actually be zai. Yeah, that, like pi, it'd be zai.
2: I think that they would. Uh, I don't know. Okay, like xylophone. I, I've always I've I've always heard it was pronounced c uh,
0: with like a weird
2: thing mm. in the front. It's that's the one that's like 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 a squiggly, you know. It looks like a capital Z. I mean, a capital Z in cursive or something.
0: No, it doesn't. Not at it's all. A, I don't know. The right. capital Z in cursive is Zeta. Well, I give up. Uh, uh Z is uh, it's or lower It's Z a it's a hat. Uh-huh. Uh, it, not really a hat, but it's it's a bar with two small things coming underneath. Then there's another one opposite of that on the bottom, mm-hmm. and then in the middle there's a sideways I. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like half of an eye on top, half an eye on the bottom, and a full eye in the middle. Oh,
2: okay.
1: Uh, that's yeah, but I don't think a monkey would care if it was uh, capital Zeta or whatever. Because no, random, it, it, right?
0: it it can't be case sensitive. I mean, there's no possible way that it it could be case sensitive. I mean, sure, it could. Well, I mean, the it,
2: theorem would still yeah, hold true. Even yeah, the, if it was the, the, the the theorem
0: would hold true. Technically, it's. Uh, what the no? Because even in uh, Big O time, the, the difference between twenty six and fifty two, or in this case, twenty four and forty eight, it's it. I mean, it, there's no real difference. I mean, it's, yeah. Well, when you look
2: at infinity, there's yeah. no difference. Well, wait. A question: What so long you're... as there's finitely
0: many letters
1: that choices? Was, that was my next question. Though, what happens if you have some language that has a countably infinite number of characters in it?
0: Then it, it, no matter how long you let them go. They won't be able to create they do everything.
1: They not necessarily
2: have to create everything. Um, even if you even if you go beyond countable ordinals. Um...
0: But oh no, there there is something that could actually, actually change that. If there is a finite amount of grammar rules, and you require that in this, instead of instead of having an infinite amount of grammar rules or letting them choose whatever they want without access to grammar rules, you could modify it to a countably infinite language. With a finite set of grammar rules, which are preserved in this, you know, metaphor, so that you that this monkey at the keyboard has an infinitely sized keyboard, but has a finite amount of grammar rules. Like, say, it, when you hit one of the keys, there's only a finite amount of other keys that you can use to follow it. Oh. Okay, so at the... which point, I do think that uh, everything would be created again. Well, I think by bounding it by a finite set of grammar rules.
2: Well, I think that there there are, like, you could um, write something that uh, that never hits the the Q twenty seven key or something, you know. And so so the monkey the monkey is, well no actually if it's random, oh oh here's here's the big problem, it is impossible to create a perfect random uh, random. Not in a thought experiment. A random selection of countable things is impossible. You cannot select a random count from a countable selection.
0: Well, that's that's why I was, that's why I was stating uh, the finite grammar rules. So, say uh, in these finite grammar rules, and if you you know start doing some automata work, you run into grammar rules a lot. So, say there's a finite amount of start symbols. Okay. And then. After every single symbol, there's still only a finite number of ones that can be hit.
2: Oh, that but the could... word length could be potentially infinite, or something.
0: Well, no, no. You can you can also define a finite word length as well.
2: Well, then there's only finite There's finite options if there's finite any step and it's only finitely long.
0: No, but it's the unbounded the finite. alphabet is still infinite.
2: That I don't think that's possible.
0: Yeah, of course it because is.
2: What's your first choice? Your first choice is is one of finitely many. Yeah. Your second choice is one of finitely many, depending on the first choice. Your third choice is blank, and then there's some longest word, fifty-two letters um long.
0: But the thing is, I, I mean, omega itself is simply the union of all of the finite sets. Right, right,
2: right. But I, you said you said bounded word length, but
0: so you there's go, unbounded word length. Well, no, no, it doesn't have to be unbounded word length. Why does word length have anything to do with the number of symbols in your alphabet? Well, I'm just saying that it, it's not possible to use all of those symbols in a single word, due to the finite grammar rules.
2: Okay. Well, I all right, all right. I was I was misunderstanding. I'm I'm thinking that we're um, not
1: we're not in set theory. We're in language yeah. theory right now. Well, a question though. I mean, okay. So we got these this, this monkey. Or monkeys, and they've typed you know these manuscripts, an infinite number of them. So, who's going to take the time to sift through all the manuscripts to find Shakespeare? Well, if there's if
0: there's a monkey that's willing to sit at a typewriter for an infinite amount of time, I am now going to posit that I can add to this theorem without changing the results an infinite, uh, or a uh, a a copy editor that spends an infinite <laughs> amount of time. Parsing these typed pages, finding these works. Now,
1: Sucks I, to have that job.
0: <laughs> yeah, but does it in any way actually affect the problem? No. I mean there's there's no reason. It's just, I, I mean, it's just saying it in an infinite amount of time with a typewriter, it will happen.
2: Yeah, whether whether or not it is ever interpreted, it, it happens. What it's is like... it like?
1: What are some of the applications of this theorem? I mean, like in the real world. I hate to bring it back to the real world, but I mean, how is this applicable to, say, the field of cryptography? Well, it's, or...
2: it's proof that, um, that uh, there's nothing special about Shakespeare. He's no better than a monkey. Um, and, you know, things, things like that. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been used in a way to argue that, that there's no such thing as creativity.
1: Well I mean if we were to if we were to literature at least. We were to think of Shakespeare's brain. That that has
0: nothing to do with it. Uh, this is probably the first and only time I'm ever gonna have to do this. But I'm gonna bring up an argument by Christian apologists (laughs) to actually uh and actually agree with it. Uh, the, <laughs> wow, that's
1: this this on.
0: an this is an argument by Doug Powell that says even if a monkey accidentally types all the letters of Hamlet, it has failed to produce Hamlet because it lacked the intention to communicate. To me, that's an important thing. There's an intention behind the creation of art. Okay, and it's always, to me. I mean, I I had to deal with the question of what is art in a class that I had as an undergraduate. It was, a, it was a fantastic class, but this question, it was on the first day of class, too. We monkey. walk He's into class, and the professor asks us, what is art? Oh. Talk about a hell, Like just a question from <laughs> yeah, hell.
2: It would just, like, especially if it was an undergraduate class, um...
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, and a and room
2: full of undergraduates trying well, we were, to sound philosophical.
0: It was it was a about... three hundred level humanities course, and uh, but it, um... there the people in there were actually uh, it wasn't a lot of philosophy people. It was mostly mostly English people, some art people too. Uh, I mean, visual art people. Uh, I, and the only definition that I could come up with uh, that would satisfy me. Was that it is the creation of anything with the intention of the person creating it to be art.
2: Little Which is in definition, but so is everything.
0: Yeah, but I mean that is the singly most broad definition. And yeah. art art is an incredibly broad thing to me. I mean, there's so many things that can be art. No, no, it wasn't even that. It was it was what what is art? My 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 definition was actually broader than that. What is art? It is anything that anyone perceives to be art. Okay.
2: Yeah, that's 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 even broader for sure. Yeah. Well, that anyone. So if the creator perceives it as art, then yeah, it is then art. It's art. If, if someone walking by perceives it as art. It's
0: yeah, because there's there's some things that's, that are definitely created and the creator is not in is not carrying the intention that it be art. But if you look at it to, I mean, to me, like the person who uh, originally created the uh, Eisenhower interstate system in the United States, I, okay. I bet, I bet that okay. person was not thinking this is a work of art, but I look at the old maps, the original planning maps. I look at the clover and everything on the interstate today. And oddly enough to me, the interstate is a work of art. Yeah, that's
2: true. If you've ever driven around through LA, the crisscrossing streets just amazes me every time. I think it's, I think it's, both hideous and beautiful
1: yeah
0: um, and yeah. what and what is i mean what is art other than something that elicits an emotional reaction as well i mean that's that's one thing that i mean when you start talking about great art is really supposed to be part of it is it's supposed to elicit an extreme emotional reaction
2: okay now so, that so means wait.
0: that great art does not have to elicit a good emotional reaction it can elicit disgust it can elicit fear and hopelessness and yeah. the void
1: <laughs> so wait, what about what about um well what if we were to analyze uh, say a work of jackson pollock but not by actual jackson pollock but by say a monkey with uh yeah right brush and paint so we have a monkey that you know sp- splatters some paint on a canvas and had no intention well i don't know i don't know what the monkey's intention the monkey had for, no but...
2: intention whatsoever but someone could still look at it. Yeah, no, say...
0: I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that uh, you. someone couldn't read something that this monkey typed as well and say that it's art, and it wouldn't be because the monkey didn't have any intention. I'm just saying that the creative process, cause, I mean, you were saying that every. this essentially shows that the creative process doesn't exist because a monkey could do it, but the monkey did it randomly.
1: Well, I've, 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 uh, I take issue with that. The monkey has a brain. And its brain and whatever its neurological processes are causes the it monkey doesn't to... understand language, right? But I'm saying that the monkey has a brain which allows uh, or communicates with its hand to type on some keyboard or throw paint at a canvas. Uh, Shakespeare has a brain and it communicates with his hand, which allows him to write a manuscript, a, a play, a text. The monkey's brain and the and Shakespeare's brain are made up of the same basic stuff: protons, neutrons, and electrons. They've got neuro- they've got synapses. They've got you know neurological connections. So why is Shakespeare's brain? Why does that all of a sudden have intent, and the monkeys does not?
0: Because of sentience. Because of this weird chemical reaction, chemical, electrical, biological, magnetic, physical, whatever the hell, gives us consciousness. And it has. We have this ability to have intention, and it's 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 possibly the most. Human thing that we have is the ability to have an intention to do something to be able to think about it beforehand and it's and it's going on in our higher brain functions. It's not a lower brain function. A lot of times, you know, we have monkeys and everything that can do a lot of amazing things, but it's all trained. But it's I mean, a lower brain function because they do those things because we give them bananas.
1: But we should be able to quantify the intention, the the higher level functions. We should be able to. Well, at some point, we should be able to quantify yeah. what we mean by.
0: I, and mentally. I think I think we will be able to. It's just neurochemistry and neurobiology is not anywhere near. Yeah, what I, we I need. think
2: it has something to do with being able to monitor your own thoughts with thoughts so to be able to think about thinking to be recursive like, like yeah to be, be self recursive self recursive and 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 yeah more or less and i think that i think that like you could train a monkey to do addition um and he could add yeah numbers. we have i think i think a monkey could do addition he could follow those things out but he could never really think about what he's doing or extend addition and things like well i mean i wouldn't say that but it still wouldn't be yeah, I don't know. It's a very difficult thing to uh
0: classify. Uh since we talked about the idea of a Christian uh apologist, I didn't actually go into the uh the argument that he uses, but he uh uses the parallel implication that because the monkey had a lack of intention and this is not part of his argument that I happen to agree with at all, but you know, no intention to communicate and therefore it uh it failed to produce Hamlet, since it didn't have the intention to produce Hamlet. The parallel implication is that natural laws could not produce the information content in DNA. But Richard
1: Dawkins,
0: (laughs) thank you, we're starting to deal with people I'm more comfortable talking about, uh, also uses the typing monkey concept to say, well, if a monkey could pop out Shakespeare, obviously random mutations in genetic code can create the complexity that we have now and inevitably will, exactly given enough time. Now, but, given enough but, time and the material to begin with,
2: but uh, genetic mutations are never random. Uh, completely, I mean, the the mutation itself might be random. Well, they whether they or not can the mutation if, is
0: is kept surviving. But but that's not. that's not part of that's not part of Dawkins' argument. He because it, given enough ira- enough radiation, because radiation is a very important part of you know evolution in the end small doses enough to make random flips in the dna sequences that cause random mutations his argument is not that the typing that all of these incredibly random things create what we are but you need that random element to create uh some mutations that end up getting accepted into the gene pool right not that all of them get accepted because they don't obviously natural selection is incredibly important And it's what makes us fit to survive. But what makes us possibly become or get an adaptation that makes us more fit can be random. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or get cancer. (laughs) Not all mutations are good.
2: They're in hand. Cancer and uh evolution. (laughs) Thank God for cancer. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah that, that monkey needs to be fired <laughs> now see I want to I want to hire one of these monkeys to write a paper for like an English class or something uh, maybe I could maybe you could write a program for me Nathan to to you know just generate a bunch of I don't know just some random manuscripts and then have another program actually parse through and that'll be the copy editor to find one that's appropriate, you know, it fits the grammar or uh, syntax rules of English, and then I'll turn if that in. Here's the thing.
2: If you, if you are capable of writing a program that copy edits and finds something appropriate, why can't you just jump straight to writing what's appropriate? Well, I don't
1: have time. I'm no, too no, busy. No. Mean, write,
2: write a program that jumps straight into the – instead of doing a random choice and things like that, it just starts from scratch and builds Shakespeare.
1: That would be hell or something. Yeah. I would just well, have an AI.
2: Isn't that, that, that in order to produce the copy editor, you have to be able to produce the human mind, more or less.
1: I mean, oh, so, so the...
2: Even co- to sift through the randomness, well, you uh, to have intelligence and creativity.
0: Yeah, I, but... I mean, that's that's just a statement that really works if we're assuming that we're looking for something that's written in the language that works under the grammar rules that we know and understand. That And that's the thing. I mean, it just depends on the pattern recognition. And what you can do is you could define on a language. Uh, actually, really we can't or at least we haven't been able to figure out how to do this on a natural language to date. I mean, in natural languages, we have not figured out a way of actually make a set of grammar rules that would allow a computer to parse them. But it's not necessary to say it's impossible. It's just we definitely can't possibly figure out a way to do it right now. But let's take it that there does exist a natural language that we can write a finite set of grammar rules to define. Let-
2: now we're getting mathier.
0: Let's posit this. Let, let's, let's theorize. I mean, we're dealing in thought experiment world anyway. So let's theorize that there is a natural language with a finite set of grammar rules. I mean, it doesn't I – mean, I'm just saying natural language. But it, we could just define a language that a human being could understand, okay. which, which is a huge amount of language. I mean, we're able to understand machine code.
2: I'm, yeah, in my mind, I'm picturing you know girdle numbers and
0: things. yeah, like and that. and that's fine. so let's let's actually we'll just define a large language with a finite could be a huge amount, but still a finite set of grammar rules. At this point, we no longer need a human copy editor. A Turing machine can do it. As a matter of fact, depending on how uh, the how the language is defined, we may actually only need a pushdown automata because it very well could be a context-free language at which point we don't even need something as strong as a Turing machine to go through it and accept or reject, which is the whole idea of machines in the first place. I mean, all of these, you know mind machines, you have the uh, finite automata, deterministic, non-deterministic, finite automata, pushdown automata, and Turing machines. And all of them either accept or deny, strings over a certain language with certain grammar rules so if you think about it if you if you just happen to define whatever language were these monkeys are typing in be it girdle numbers uh on d- only fibonacci <laughs> numbers and an entire keyboard filled with the first 75 fibonacci numbers uh it we could create a machine to accept strings and deny strings so really you don't you don't need a human style copy editor you just have to make a couple changes to what type of language you're dealing with
2: it'd be interesting to see if you could i mean with only with only finitely many rules and things like that i wonder i wonder how uh how like deep and meaningful of sentences you can write um, I mean, or, or, I mean, if you only have six rules, I wonder if you can, six rules, six, six rules is,
0: is not, like not you can write quite enough.
2: Meaningful. meaningful.
0: Uh, and that's, and that's the thing. You could create this machine in a couple of different ways. You could create the machine in such a way that it accepts things that are actually sentences. It has a subject, it has a verb, it has, you know, proposition or prepositions you know, adverbs, adjectives, all of those things, and it has them in an order that works and has tense agreement. That doesn't mean that the sentence actually makes any sense. It, it I mean, it doesn't right. have to make any sense. So, you could define, you could design the machine in some ways. And I fully, it, I don't actually fully agree, I, uh, because we don't know what language there, it is possible that there might be a natural language that would, uh, that just happens to have a stricter set of grammar rules that still would able to have a lot of be be able to have a huge amount of meaning, just not necessarily be incredibly poetic.
1: When you say meaning, what do you mean? Like meaning to humans? Once we translate into well, to be able to do all life? the
0: all the yeah, I mean all the different layers or something that you can put in an actual sentence. Whereas, as you were I mean, talking about with a large amount of rules, you could very easily write a sentence: "I go bank." You know, Which, I mean, it just, and this is a thought experiment world again. So, I mean, that just means that a, the person who was speaking went to the bank that day. Whereas, other, in other words, if I was doing this in English with our infinite amount of grammar rules, because really English is one of the hardest languages to parse when you're actually listening to it, it would instead be perfectly fine to say, today... I took a walk from the office and I crossed the street and I went to the bank and I stood right behind this girl with long, flowing brown hair that smelled like shit and I was so fucking disgusted that I wanted to spew vomit all over the window to the teller, but I didn't because I was afraid that that security guard would pull out his gun, shoot me in the head, and I would still not die, but I would live without any higher brain functions other than knowledge that I am a vegetable, and then I deposited my money and went home.
1: That's a seriously talented monkey that typed that. (laughs)
0: We need to hire that monkey, but with with our with that was a perfectly fine sentence. It was a slightly run on sentence
2: only slightly
0: i uh, I think I actually managed to preserve tenses and everything pretty well throughout it so but that's a legal sentence that it's also a sentence that I cannot possibly imagine the set of grammar rules necessary to accept that sentence and the, and there is always a problem with me. I think it'd be a lot easier to create a machine that accepts all sentences that are proper sentences. Uh, And so you still end up with a huge amount of gibberish. But at least you don't end up with gibberish that's A-A-A-E-A-X-Y-A-E space, 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 1-A space. (laughs)
2: Yeah you could you could get um a program that knows every single legal word and knows every single legal role the word can play as a verb adverb you know yeah. it, it won't be able to tell what it's playing at that time but then say you know is this word legal in this situation you know and, and it would somehow be able to tell that in this slot you could put a noun verb adjective or blah blah shit blah, isn't
0: blah. this called a spell checker
2: yeah <laughs> but, but, still, but still this wouldn't be able to um, you know this doesn't come anywhere close to what Chris wanted the the program to do yeah is
0: no and I understand that but I'm just saying paper. I'm saying that currently with uh with the natural languages that we know but I'm I, I just have this feeling, maybe it comes from reading uh, Babel Seventeen by Samuel Delaney, in which there is, the perfectly grammatically structured language, so that I mean all the rules are perfect, and with perfect rules, you imagine there's probably a finite amount of them because otherwise, they wouldn't be so perfect.
2: At least, um, at least, uh, you can de- determine whether it's a rule in a finite set of time, like like yeah, uh, like GER- computable yeah all the rules are computable. yeah like, like, yeah, uh, and with girdles
0: and so yeah, and so if if you know that they're computable, you could technically find them in this infinite amount of time. Yeah. And so maybe it's just my belief because of things like that, but I really feel that there is a language that is like that that can still carry the meaning that we can still create a uh, a machine that will only accept things that actually mean something.
1: I mean, will this, will this language, uh, if, if we can find it, will it be able to represent uh, or express every human sentence? I mean, because, I mean, here we want to create a set of rules, a finite set of grammatical rules, um, but with human language, I mean, with English, for instance, there are an infinite number of grammatical rules. I mean, yeah. you just give us enough time, we'll come up with some more exceptions, some more rules. So, I mean, isn't this thing going, to, in the long run, isn't this thing going to be a gross approximation, or a very good approximation, but... An approximation nonetheless well, of
0: it's it's hard it's hard to uh picture i think uh without having i don't know uh dreamt about it as much because when I heard about this language in this book babel seventeen it it was like i i want i want this now i want this language that is perfection because when you
2: say when you say perfection. When you say perfection, do you mean um, perfect, as in a, like it has the most expressing power, feasible or that. It's I
0: mean... it's it, it from from the feeling I got because uh, Samuel Delaney is uh, other than sharing, of course, the greatest first name possible with me, is is it a, a fantastic writer, and he wrote throughout his career mostly science fiction works. Without really ever writing about science. Oh,
2: that's the best science fiction.
0: No, I, I don't agree with you for okay, a second. Okay, all,
2: right, all right. That's maybe, okay. But you can write amazing Amazing science
0: fiction, science fiction without actually science. understanding the science. But yeah, some
2: some some of the best science fiction is very scientific.
0: Yeah, like uh, Niven.
2: Asimov. Um,
0: N- Niven, 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 Niven. I've
2: never read a Niven. Ringworld? No, I never read Ringworld.
0: It is one of the most beautiful exercises in world building, but we're not turning this into Sam review Science (laughs) Fiction Books Hour. This is still about, uh, well, we've made it into language theory, but we'll we'll deal with it. And so he's a very expressive writer, and so he never really clearly defined the language. I mean, other than obviously being impossible because it was perfect. But he kind of explained it through the eyes of a linguist. And this linguist first heard the language was completely unable to understand anything that was said, but she was completely enamored and moved by it because you could tell just in the sounds that were coming out that made up this language. I mean, it was an alien language, blah, blah, blah. And so, I mean, she didn't write, there weren't even words or letters that you know, it's just phonemes came out in such a way that. Even though she wasn't able to understand it, she could tell the pattern in it inherently from like a single five-second clip. It was perfect. You could tell the structure. The structure was there, but also the expressiveness. As a matter of fact, we can even bring this back to Snow Crash in the Sumerian language. Right. And that and that was another one. It's supposedly uh, was, you know, kind of perfect. And maybe it was that book as well that affects me and my belief on this. Uh, and it's just I don't know why but I do feel that it can exp- that there has to be a language that expresses all range of human emotions and descriptive abilities and still has a set of grammar rules that we can put into a damn computer.
2: I I think that... or
0: we can create an AI and then this all goes to moot.
2: I think I think the the problem with this is um different people are capable of feeling different emotions i think that there are emotions that you can feel that are physically impossible for my body Um, yeah but we we don't
0: i mean even in the english language i can't just be like and that is the emotion that i can feel that you can't no we have to still put it into clearly defined words by the whole range of human emotions i mean that it would have descriptors such that it could express love and hate and fear and joy and still manage to keep the finite grammar rule set.
1: Well, wait, Well in, in, in this case, it sounds like what we need is a way to take the state of someone's brain when they feel an emotion or thought or whatever and translate that brain state no, into no, 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 a no, 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 series no, of that... signals or something and send it to another person's and brain, but th- and translate engineer. it, yeah, yeah, translate that signal okay, into yeah, a signal the other person's we're, we're brain moving, can understand. We're
0: moving way away from what we're actually talking I think about.
2: That that's the only way you could have a perfect language. But the problem with that is different brains, different brain structure. They're not
0: going to read the but, same but, signals.
2: But if if you found if you found a way so that um, like every single brain structure could convert, every single brain structure could convert from. Uh, from this this perfect language into their own um brain structure and feel the language and somehow or another this perfect language was common to all minds
0: um yeah and, and we're in uh, thought experiment world so why not
2: well i i one good reason why not is uh like it's just there the the amount of variation in minds um it really
1: puts.
0: Yeah, up. but we're in thought experiment world. We can just posit that all minds are identical in structure. Yeah,
2: see, I that is what I take issue with. Mm, yeah, I I,
1: awful. I I take issue with that. Awful. awful. Even well,
0: if they were I, I'm not. I'm not denying systems. that it would be awful. I'm, not, I'm just saying we're in thought experiment world. We can do whatever we well, want.
2: But but we were trying to create this beautiful, perfect language. No, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not
0: in any language. way actually trying to create this language. I'm just saying that I believe that a language that is, uh, ex. be able to be accepted by a turing machine and able to work as a natural language exists and all i was stating about this perfect language is i think that a book mentioning it may be the reason i believe that such a language exists i'm not saying that the language that exists would be perfect
1: well how close is a human brain to a turing machine
0: That is a question that people have been arguing about forever.
1: What have I done?
0: (laughs) As soon as we know whether or not it's possible to make an AI, I'll be able to tell you. Because if we can create an AI on a currently structured computer, non-DNAC, non-quantum, then there is no difference, well, provided that the mind is similar in all respects to a human mind, not identical obviously, but similar in all respects yeah. to a human mind, Un- there is no difference between a Turing machine and a human mind. Is
2: the because a, a
0: computer, a computer is a Turing machine,
2: right.
0: it's just the Turing machine's a lot slower. I and mean, I mean, that that's one of the things about Turing machines. Turing machines are the most powerful machines in the world, and you could very easily create one. The reason that you don't actually ever use a Turing machine is because they take forever to do anything. But I mean, they're just thought experiments. I mean, that the whole idea is that any machine is reducible to a Turing machine. Now, let me so f- a Turing machine is a machine that can do anything that any other machine can do. Therefore, they are useful most often in thought experiment
1: worlds. Well, let me throw it to make it realistic. Let me throw some some metric space. Uh, terminology in there. Let's say we... Why
2: not just just make it a manifold?
1: Let's let's throw some calculus in there. Let's say that we we find that we cannot make a Turing machine that that is exactly like, or has the complexity of a human mind, but what if we can get as close an approximation as we want? So for application purposes... No, but then it's not.
0: For application purposes, fine, but then there is a difference between a human mind and a Turing machine. Like
2: there is no polynomial that perfectly matches an e to the x but uh, we can get as close as we want. With...
0: Yeah, which is, which is perfectly fine if you're working in approximation world. But in Turing machine thought experiment world, you have to be able to have it be the same. Otherwise, you can't translate it back. So if you can just really closely approximate it, infinitely get close to it but not quite get there, it's asymptotic, then Turing machines and human minds are different.
1: But then, I mean, aren't That's human, true. isn't the human mind like that? I mean, aren't human brains like that? Compare my brain now, the state of it now, to the state of it two minutes ago. Of course, there are going to be subtle differences, but those differences are what allow me to evolve as a person.
2: Right, but, but um, both states were possible within the realm of human minds. Um, and, and we're saying that the the state your mind is in right now would be impossible by any Turing machine. You could approximate it, but if you stop at any point, you're different. So the Turing machine is never actually equivalent to a human mind.
0: Yeah, it has to be equal. Not not by limit equal, but equal. Identical.
1: That will be a tough computer to build.
2: <laughs> well, no, it, it, it might not be. It might very well be the case that human minds are finite. Um... And and so you could create a human mind perfectly with with a Turing machine. The Turing machine would probably be less adaptable or something like that. But no,
0: then it would not. No, be. I'm
2: not saying I'm not saying its thoughts are less adaptable. I'm saying that that uh, you wouldn't be able to like it wouldn't get hungry all of a sudden and then turn and its thoughts become angrier. It's like no, it, it would perfectly match. Well, it, then you just construct a human being. Like I, I'm saying that that human beings are attached to We're attached to our bodies.
0: Okay. Yeah. It, and so if, if you the could, emotions. If you I could feel detach, if it could detach, if you could detach the brain from from, from the, the body, body. so yeah. the brain brain is the purely jargon.
2: a thinking machine. Yes.
0: Right. Brain.
1: Right. From uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, no. He saw
0: had to eat.
2: yet, so, so yeah, if you just take a perfect picture of a human brain and recreate it. Uh, recreated outside the body, so that it's completely in- independent, but it's, it's still exactly as functioning as a brain. Whether or not that can be created as a Turing machine, that could be a very finite thing. Um, maybe it's possible that what differentiates a human from a computer is actually our bodies and our experiences. Having yeah, I mean, an effect we
0: on we the mind. we still have no idea what yeah, gives exactly. us consciousness, and in we'll be able to. I mean, we'll be able to say this when we actually create an AI if. We can create an artificial intelligence.
1: Or we can get a brain out of a, a – get a living brain out of a living person, hook it up to a computer, and actually communicate with the brain.
0: I actually imagine that will happen a long time before we have a good artificial intelligence. Yeah, that's probably true.
2: Or a monkey. But, but the question is what would you – like how would you have to interpret the signals that come from the brain? Like like he Well we it, we need a full form.
0: map of the human neural network before we can even oh, start okay. thinking about but that. But
2: imagine if you just had like a random a random source that was that was throwing information. Is there some is there some perfect language to write it down in? Like could you could you gather all of the information given um in like ones and zeros like a computer does? Could you perfectly perfectly grab all that information in any form in any form whatsoever i mean we do do a huge amount
0: of trace on uh, neural activity already and we do those traces using computers so we get we can take a scan of a brain in an instant and store all of the data that is currently in that brain in that second or in that millisecond
2: and store it as ones and zeros
0: yeah we store it on a computer right I, I mean,
2: I, I think that I think that it's well. It's not. It's not perfect. It doesn't contain all the information.
0: No, but um, I mean, it contains you know locations and intensities of all firing
1: neurons. But we would also need the cons. Well, you know, we can get the concentrations of different chemicals, or you know, even yeah. in the brain also. Um,
0: but we can't do those using a scan because the chemicals won't pick that up. It was a, or so. The the scan the, these pick these up.
2: scans are saying can can see
0: every
1: individual neuron. I um, believe so. Well, within the limits of the Heisenberg uncertainty principle.
0: Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, we we do have to we do have to live within. We're not right now. We're not in thought experiment world. We're in actual real world where quantum mechanics fucks everybody up. God damn Heisenberg <laughs> and Schrodinger! If they wouldn't have existed, we wouldn't have all these problems
1: because physics is created.
2: Physics is 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 very
0: much
1: made up. <laughs> it's uh, all bullshit. Thought experiments gone wrong on Fox <laughs> when thought experiments attack. And
0: on the first episode, we're going to give you pictures of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I think I just went too far.
1: E equals MC squared. It's a bitch. <laughs> Either that or it's a very clean form of power. You just have to find a place to put the waste. Yeah, but the amount of waste it creates is so
2: minuscule compared oh, to... Oh,
0: we we need nuclear power. It yeah. is the only or it's the cheapest form and also the cleanest form of energy that we have to use while we create the truly clean sources of energy. And we can also now create nuclear power plants in a very short period of time. Very, their The building time is very small. They're not very expensive. They're, they are cost about the same amount that putting up a new coal-powered power plant is. Yeah, And so we can create these things essentially on the fly to meet demand as we move the power from fossil fuels to solar, water, wind, all the other forms that we can use that aren't going to pollute the fuck out of our planet. And we can use nuclear energy to facilitate that transfer because nuclear energy – significantly cleaner than fossil fuels
2: there's there is very little wrong with nuclear energy uh people take issue with the danger and there's 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 some waste but the
0: amount of waste well it's it's not energy
2: to waste ratio to most people though
0: 100 and if you think think about the majority of people in the united states that are currently alive that are that are alive now think of which subset of that that set of people make our decisions and now think of the percentage of those people who had to practice duck and cover. <laughs> yeah, I realize that was another thought experiment. I, it, we're supposed to be in the real world. But how many of them remember Three Mile Island and Chernobyl? There's this very inset fear of all things nuclear that was created one by intense propaganda and two by actual real meltdowns right and these people grew up with that and so i understand where this fear comes from and it's gonna have to be people of our generation the generation directly before us too who did not grow up with these fears um that are gonna have to push for this obvious truth how the fuck did we even get on nuclear energy here I don't know, but uh, I definitely think
2: that um, one thing I want to say before we move back is nuclear energy is the only feasible current source of energy in space.
0: Well, solar. for solar, It's the only feasible in, in, in large-scale uh, thing to... Use on the planet Earth right now.
2: Well, yeah. I the amount of oil you would like, if you wanted to to do anything that required a lot of power in space, you would have to ship it all up there and things well, like that. Well, everything energy, in, sp- everything you bring in a space, canister.
0: everything in space is the majority of the energy that we're going to use in is space. So we're going to get from solar, solar right because, now because no, we're still no,
2: staying inside solar pretty,
0: systems. Pretty well, yeah. In between solar systems, we're going to have to come up with fusion. Well. Yeah, with nuclear nuclear energy, like they they said
2: if it if in the perfect amount and things like that, you can certainly get up to thirteen percent of the speed of light.
0: Yeah. And it it's but if we're still talking solar system stuff, it's really easy to solar power when you're outside of an atmosphere. A lot of that energy gets sucked up in the atmosphere.
2: Right. And also And by all those monkeys
0: that we have up there with typewriters. (laughs) I mean, it's right. uh, really. I think that that could actually cool down our planet. We just need an infinite number of monkeys in the in outside of space because they'll just reflect the light right off of them, right?
1: If we can Solve a, global warming. If we can get this this AI that you're talking about that understands human language, I mean, can it also do mathematics, or could it could it do mathematics? But
0: when most of the time, when someone posits an AI, it's not it, the thing that they think of it doing. Is very, well, a lot of times, I mean, because you have the Turing test, which is, you know, testing whether or not it can talk to somebody right. else. But a lot of times the, they feel that the true test for an artificial intelligence will be the creation of new mathematical theorems completely new mathematical theorems.
2: But then the bigger question is will it be able to interpret its creation as well? Well, yeah, like, no, will it, it be able to intentionally create new theorems or will cuz cuz they've got those random theorem generating yeah, yeah, programs. Yeah, no,
0: no, the idea is is that it would create and prove and interpret to applications yeah. its own created theorems because one thing about an artificial intelligence, it's still mechanical. And so what does a machine understand better than math? What does a computer understand better than math? Nothing. Well,
2: it, it, number, it understands arithmetic better than anything else. It does not understand anything beyond that. Uh,
0: well, without... but an artificial intelligence at its very core yeah, in, would yeah, probably be math. Not just arithmetic, right. but right. math well, and logic.
1: Math and logic. But I mean, arithmetic, when you say arithmetic, you mean what? Basic operations. Addition, adding.
0: subtraction, right. division,
1: multiplication. So natural stuff in the natural numbers and bounded by the machine. And, uh, uh, well, says. actually, even
0: beyond that, even more basic than that, and, or, yeah, and, or, and not. That is the true basis of a computer is the Boolean logic operators. Right.
2: And which which can be strung together to get addition. Subtraction, uh, multiplication, and addition in binary can easily be turned into multiplication.
1: Now, yep. take take a take a person, uh, take me for instance. I'm made up of a finite number of protons, neutrons, and electrons. The number of states that that finite number of particles can be in is also well, I, it might be infinite. But I, yeah, I I I always argue that it's infinite. I it would be countably infinite, can, right? Count, countably infinite. Uh, but I I the would, probability, I no,
2: well, I would argue that it's either finite or uncountably infinite. Why? Because the, where would the infinity come from? It Would be from positions and to have countable number of positions, doesn't really you, you know you usually think of location as either either equivalent to the real no, line or equivalent to the yeah it's either the real line or it would be like a finite in a
1: finite you, set the of energy states. states of the electrons or the energy states of each system yeah. of each particle could also is also a degree of freedom so um, but the energy states are eigenvalues um, from some The Schrödinger equation so but i guess the point is there's some large number of states that i can be in and that's it i mean so whatever that number of states is that's the if it has a maximum you know a finite number of states then that's the largest number of integers that i that that i as a person can represent so it's like my word size limit Mm -hmm. uh, or word word limit for a machine um so if that's a large enough number then we just need to construct a computer that has a word size of that.
0: Well, I mean that, of... and that's kind of the I, at least an argument that I've made is that we'll be able to do an a human artificial a human level artificial intelligence as soon as we're done mapping the human's neural network. Cuz you know we run artificial neural networks on machines already. We've uh we can run the entirety of the fruit flies artificial neural network we're pretty close, I believe, to being able to run a... Or, or we're within 20 years of being able to run a mouse's artificial neural network. <laughs> and, you know, probably 100 to 1,000 years, depending on how quickly technology jumps and also quantum computers could throw everything and make it 20 years from now, uh, mapping a human's neural network. And if you're right about the idea of states... As soon as we know where all those states are, what all those states are, then yeah. And I've, I've I have long argued uh, with philosophy majors, all of whom have read Sartre, <laughs> about artificial intelligence. And they're all like, no, no, John Paul Sartre says, wrong, can't happen. And then I remind <laughs> them that they're obviously machines because they can't think for themselves. Yay. <laughs> uh, I, I really
2: like philosophy classes because the when I'm taking a new class, then um it brings new questions to mind that I never questioned. Uh like my well, philosophy
0: favorite... philosophy classes are good for exactly one thing.
2: Questions. Right. Right, right. And but but then trying to apply it outside of the class
0: just doesn't really work. Well I mean it's it's not even the application, it's just the people. <laughs> that's true <laughs> i philosophy majors are i don't know where they come from but i wish they would have gone back can we can, yeah, can we the, create it the, can we annex an island and just send all the philosophy majors and professors over there well, some philosophy majors there?
2: some philosophy majors are pre-law philosophy is a is a is a popular major before going and
0: to law we school. need more lawyers?
2: <laughs> no, I'm just saying that that those philosophy majors at least at least are
0: quasi in their right minds, you know, they're not Yeah, they're yeah, they're not that I mean, they're not the, they're not the they're people not what who we're are we're talking about. Yeah. Okay, how about any philosophy major whose intention is to do one of two things, write a philosophy book or become a PhD or Masters of Philosophy. We send those guys off to an island where they can live and every once in a while we'll import their books to get their questions but we'll demand uh, we will only import their books if they spend the first three pages or so listing off every question that they cover in the book. That way when we buy the book we can rip those three pages out and recycle the rest of it. Good. Yeah. Okay, we're 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 all good on that. All right. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna end this podcast uh, with the with abolition
2: a, of philosophy.
0: Well, no, not okay. the abolition of philosophy. Everyone is allowed to still have philosophies and think about philosophies, just don't formalize it. <laughs> uh, and so our um, our policy decision, our policy recommendation uh, to the administrations of the entire world, create an island preferably made of garbage bags middle of well we have a lot of garbage bags what are we going to do with them just dump them make an island for the philosophy people in the middle of the pacific ocean where we then ship all the philosophy people out there and uh let them live their merry lives obviously we're not going to have any philosophers after one generation because there's going to be two women (laughs) (laughs) because the only department in in a university that has more guys in it than the math department is the philosophy department That's,
2: that was that was not true uh, in my philosophy classes here? Um, How many of them were philosophy majors? You no, I, I I at UNLV they allow you to take philosophy 101 and then four hundred level philosophy, who which would have nobody in it except philosophy majors and then you know the the freaks and and me, uh, who might be in, included
1: with they the were freaks, they were all pre
0: law,
2: <laughs> no some were some were pre law but there were a lot. Of, it was the classes at the very least. I can't prove that they were mostly philosophy majors, but the classes were more than fifty percent women.
0: Okay, well then they're gonna
1: make some good lawyers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they're gonna they're gonna do all right. But it still are even even if it will not destroy them after one generation, it is still uh, the official stance of the Combinations and Permutations podcast to ship all philosophy majors unless you happen to be philosophical logic and working with set theorists or other mathematicians. You guys are all right. You can stay. To this island made of garbage bags in the middle of the Pacific Ocean where they uh, have to write all of the questions that they cover in their books in the first three pages. And we will import their books once every year. And uh, I think that's a good point to end it. Everyone, I hope that you oh um email us combinations and permutations at gmail dot com. Visit our blog at http colon slash slash combinations and permutations dot blogspot dot com slash. I don't know why we need that last slash, but it always tosses it in there. You don't really need to type it into the browser, yeah, but it's right. always I there. It. And uh, you know, become friends with us on Facebook and MySpace or join our group on Facebook. Become friends with us on MySpace and leave some comments. And I hope everybody has a fantastic week. Well, that's it for another episode of Combinations and Permutations. If you want to get a hold of us, please email us at combinationsandpermutations at gmail.com. Also, check out our blog at combinationsandpermutations.blogspot.com this episode has been licensed under a creative commons attribution share alike license all the music that you've heard on this podcast is from sp12 if you like what you hear go check them out at opsound.org thank you for listening